Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel. We're uh, full of excitement because of all the various things that have been happening in Melbourne town around film. Of course, that's me, Melbourne International Film Festival. But and last uh, oh August the sixth, last weekend, there was a. Uh, a showing of a film called Down Under. It uh, did show at the Sydney Film Festival and it's now come to the Melbourne Film Festival and it is going to get a general release. It's about the uh, day after. It's set in the day after the Conala riots. You remember 2005? It seems such a long time ago. But, of course, it will be set in your memory too. Quanella uh, riots were a series of race riots and outbreaks of mob violence in Sydney beginning on the 11th of December 2005 in the beachside suburb of Quanella. And it spread over the next few nights to additional suburbs. The riots stemmed from tensions between youths from Sydney's Lebanese and white populations, or Anglo skips. You might call them a crowd gathered at Quinella on the morning of Sunday the 11th of December and by midday approximately 5,000 people had gathered near the beach. And uh, after a while, at a certain point, a uh, person of uh, Middle Eastern origin was beaten up and the police uh, uh, intervened. Anyway, it was it's a flashpoint in Australian racism and we're probably in the midst of such a thing right at the moment. Now... This film, Down Under, is a fabulous uh, comed- comedy, comic look at Australian racism. And I don't mean that in uh, that it, to disparage it. It's actually quite a bit of dark humour, really. But it's a great film. And I got to speak to the director and one of the main cast members uh, recently about Down Under. It's a director and writer Abe Forsyke and Mabel, uh, one of the main cast members, Lincoln Eunice. He, he's, uh, he plays the character of a, a late teens, early 20s Lebanese Australian man who's a studious person studying at uni, working part-time, worried about his brother who didn't come home after the first night of rioting. And Lincoln is well known as the youngest Braxton from the soap opera Home and Away. And it was interesting because uh, when I saw the film, uh, I I kept thinking to myself, I know who that person is, but I couldn't remember because I was so absorbed in the actual film and the part that he played. So that tells you how 
uh, interesting this film is, and I recommend that you go and see it. I'll give you some information about where it's showing later on, but we'll start off with our little chat with Abe Forsyth, the uh, director and writer of Down Under and uh, Lincoln Eunice. I was really keen to ask you about why you decided to do this film about the Cronulla riots and also uh, your writing process. I decided to write it, I wrote it six years ago, the first draft, and I felt like we weren't really discussing what had happened ten years ago at the time. Um, uh, and I kind, I felt like we were dealing with the issue, of what happened on that day, by just kind of not discussing it. We kind of felt like we'd... Very strange. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretend, yeah, pretend it didn't happen and, um, and maybe it'll go away. And also around that time, I'd found out I was going to be a father too, and, and I think that was bringing into, for me personally, just a lot of questions around what kind of world is I'm bringing a child into. And I also was going to found that I was going to have a son, so then that also brought into questions of masculinity and all those sorts of things. And I'd also been making a lot of short films that had dealt with um, social uh, issues and commented on them using comedy, and that kind of all led me into the Cronulla riots. And, and then, look, it all just poured out of me once all those things kind of were happening for me personally. And, look, the writing process was a... Um, uh, it, it, was, it was quite easy to begin with because I was trying to find... There's all sorts of different reasons why people ended up there on that day. Um, so I just... Look, going to that, did you do research? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look. I had to do a lot of research on the more sort of cultural sort of side of you know, like the, the Middle Eastern side of things, and um, and and I did have an an advisor too for the um, someone that lived in the Shire and, and was there around the time of the riots and had a very good sort of connections. Uh, uh, and in fact, there's a, there's one key thing. I won't say what it is, but there is one key very local Shire reference in the movie um, uh, involving someone's girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, which is kind of a, a nod to uh, that whole side of things. So if people, uh, anyone from the Shire does see it, they'll go, oh, OK, well, he knows he knows about that. Maybe he'll know more about more as well. But um, uh, it was just a case of getting all these, these motivations that all these characters had. I got the motivations first, and then I kind of built the characters around those motivations. So each character on each side is kind of a mirror of the other, and they all have very specific reasons why they went to the right. Um, and, and then, yeah, it was just a matter of kind of building their characters around that. And, and, and then once I had that, it just kind of wrote itself. Is that so? Because uh, it it's highly character-driven, mm. but it's also quite clearly structured cleverly. It's yeah, well, I mean, each, look, each side is a mirror of the other side, and each scene is almost a mirror of the other scene, too, and you go from one to the other, back and forth, until invariably they, they meet. What was it like for you, playing that character? Oh, it was, it was, um, it was amazing. It was a side of... <clears throat> my heritage I hadn't explored before on screen, so I was very excited to, to kind of delve into that side of me. Um, and there's obviously a lot of cultural and religious uh, aspects involved that, that I hadn't uh, been aware of through my life because um, it's not a part of my culture that I um, was exposed to quite often living in Australia. Um, but I was, I was just very excited to, to be uh, dealing with a script that, that looked at matters that were topical, prevalent and important and 
you know, to be a part of the ensemble um, and, and have such a, a role that had, had depth and had meaning and had the propensity to, to change over, you know, an arc of the film. It was, it was very exciting. Uh, how did you prepare for it? Um, I, I spoke to quite a few Middle Eastern friends that, that lived in, you know, areas like Lakemba and obviously I'd grown up and I, I had a few uh, Muslim friends because my character is Muslim that I, I wanted to understand, you know, the inner workings of, of you know, being religiously skewed that way. I, I wanted to know not not just the basic things, but but the the pressures, the expectations, the um, motivations of of that side of um, our society. Um, yeah, just talking to people. But to be honest, most of it is in the script. You know, I, whether or not you know research and all that, but it all came through in the script. So it was just about fleshing out the the internal workings of and he doesn't speak an awful lot compared to the other characters so That's i right. suppose it was finding some depth and and meaning that would not only you know interest me in those scenes but also inform the audience of of how he's feeling and and where he sits on the the morality spectrum because it is a morality play but mm. other than that there's a whole range of other things going on as well so some of those characters are probably going to... The first time I've ever seen the uh, the character... I think it's David... Is it da David Hill? Is that his name? The uh, one... David Fields. David Fields, yeah. the character he plays. Yeah, yeah. What a fabulous character is he? Yeah, well, I mean, look, okay, well, that's a, uh, a, a good way into talking about um, the majority of these characters, or what you could even say all of these characters in their own way, uh, they're stereotypes. And that was intentional because uh, I wanted to... I think we're in Australia. We're with humour. We respond to stereotypes, and and you know that's a very kind of uh, comic thing that we we embrace in Australia. But the key to it was getting those comic stereotypes um, right, but casting actors that could actually hit dramatic stuff as well. And they all start in this quite extreme way, but gradually over the course of the movie, you start to see the depths to them. Um, and the only way I could do that was by getting actors that were able to navigate between both of those things and you know the scene with David Field is um, uh, it, it, it's, it's very over the top but at the same time there's something quite terrifying too about what he does with that character. Yeah yeah it is and it's the same it's the same tenor in the entire film I, I think that's probably one of the things that gives it such reality and you're right it is topical racism Australian racism uh, uh, why did you call it Down Under? I, I found that I was always thinking that Down Under almost sounds like a film I wouldn't want to go and see. Yeah. Is, it, is it actually uh, um, for Australians or is it for people from overseas? Look, it's both. I initially wanted to call it Australia. I was going to call it Australia and, and that, was, uh, that was meant to be a bit of a sort of reference to the fact that that's not... The, the Australia that, that the other film was called is not... That was such a bold statement that Baz made. I really like Baz, but it was such a bold statement that he made by made by calling his film that. And I was kind of saying, well, no, that's not Australia. This this is Australia. 
Um, and we we checked into the legalities of whether we could call it that. Found out we could because Baz wasn't you know he can't copyright the name of a country. But um, but at the same time he thought it would be confusing releasing a film with the same title from the same country. So Down Under was the next for me the next logical step. Yeah. So it, it obviously is tackling the whole concept of well I suppose I'd say white Australia, but it's Australia after. Whatever, whatever it is that we're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, and it is, and I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I mean, we're, I, I see this as we're all in it together, and the tagline of the movie is Australia versus Australia, nobody wins, because it's what we're doing is we're by fighting ourselves, we're actually look at what we're doing to our, our nations, our nation, and also, you know, a character like Evan, which Chris Bunton plays. I mean, he really represents the innocence of our country as well, and what we're doing to that innocence. Yeah, it's a, it's um it's not just a funny film; it's a sad film. It's a tra- it's got qu- quite a lot of tragedy, and it's quite Shakespearean, really. Mm, yeah, and look, I think, I mean, that was very intentional, and I mean, I like that kind of comedy. I mean, I like kind of big in-your-face comedy, but I also like comedy that says something, and I also like comedy that makes you feel something. And it was always the intention to try and surprise the audience with where this goes, and and we didn't want it to be predictable. Um, you know, from scene to scene, or even within a scene, a, a gears shift suddenly, and then you you suddenly find yourself having to deal with something that you you weren't quite expecting, and that also plays into the, how the violence is used in the movie as well too, because um, you can't make a movie like this without dealing with violence. But I didn't want to deal with the violence in a kind of clean movie way. When people fight, it's it, it's scrappy, it, yeah, and it's over quickly, and people are horrified um, uh, once it starts. They don't quite know what to do, which I think is more a reflection of of this kind of violence in real life. Here's an opportunity for poets and writers. Sydney Road Brunswick Association is holding its fifth Writers' Contest and Cup. Celebrating Sydney Road's creative culture and supporting local wordsmiths, the competition offers great cash prizes. Entrance via for a prize pool of over $1,000 and the prized Writers' Cup. This year's contest is a three-minute poem or a four-minute story and a piece all about Sydney Road Brunswick. For one night only at the Spotted Mallard, 314 Sydney Road, Brunswick, on Monday the 15th of August from 7pm, in partnership with the Passionate Tongues Night. For more information and registrations, go to www.sydneyroad.com.au. A 3CR supporter. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. Hi, my name is Sophia Turkovich, the director of Once My Mother. Uh, You're listening to Radio 3CR, the real radio station. And you're on Showreel with Annie. And uh, we're listening to a chat that I had with uh, the director-writer of Down Under, Abe 
Forsyth and uh, Lincoln Unis, who's one of the main cast members. Now, uh, Down Under is a comedy that's uh, built around the uh, day after the Cronulla riots in 2005. And uh, it mightn't sound appealing, but in actual fact, not only is it topical, but it's hilarious. It's actually hilarious. I thought it was... There's a couple of jokes in it that uh, are real sleepers until the end. And uh, it is actually a stunning film about a quite a disgusting and and, uh, trying uh, feature of Australian society, racism, which is at the core. So um, I really recommend you go and see it because it not only is it a great film, but it actually, as uh, Abe says, leaves you thinking. So let's uh, finish off our little chat and uh, uh, hopefully I've uh, tempted you to go and see it. I also really like the way you handled the older characters, the older generational characters, uh, the uh, st- the mythology of uh, the First World War yeah. Yeah. and the gun. Yeah, yeah, and also, I mean, I mean, Marshall Napier plays um, uh, this character called Graham, who's the, one, the father of one of the one of the uh, guys on the Anglo side, and yeah, it's a really great performance because you you understand how much of this is passed down from generation to generation and Graham's trying to pass it down to his son but how it's obviously been passed down to him from his you know deceased um, uh, veteran father um, and but, but again a perfect example of Marshall is a very intimidating looking person but you, you can sense the, the vulnerability that even he has you know behind that exterior. Uh, can I talk to you about how the film was actually shot Cause there's, and edited? Because there's some really great bits in it. Uh, it's very fast. It's quite fast. And I really like the p- sequence in the car where you move the camera around and around yeah, and around. Yeah. Stuff like that. So you were being quite ingenious in the way you actually told that story. How did you come up? Are you just naturally talented? <laughs> no, it's hiring the, r- the right people to, to collaborate with. And the cinematographer is a man called Lachlan Milne and the editor is a guy called Drew Thompson. And I've uh, oh, I've worked with Drew a lot because he he uh, edited or well, he edits most of my commercials, which is my sort of day job. And I I was aware of Lachlan. I'd worked with him once before, but um, this is the first time that he and I properly collaborated on something. And I think the three of us are all very similar in uh, aesthetically. We share the same beliefs in that we feel like a lot of things are overcovered, they use too much coverage and, and when you when you cover something too much you're not really thinking about the intent of every shot and so we tried to use we do um, fewer shots but uh, each shot is motivated by where we want the audience to be at that point, whether it's um, that scene in particular when you've got four characters in a car yelling at each other we were aware that there's a lot of scenes in cars with people yelling, and that one is particularly heightened and what we wanted to do visually was put the audience right in the middle of them so that's in, in fact what we ended up doing, we put a a camera in the middle of a car and rotated it um, 360 degrees and just on an endless kind of like loop as, as we just go past each of them yelling and yelling and yelling. Um, and that was this the most effective way at that point that we could you know actually put the audience into their heads. But how did you get to the idea? Just about wanting to go, well, I mean, we literally lock in on having a conversation going, well, where would we want the audience? We'd want the audience sitting in the middle of them and, and kind of just looking at everyone like, and so we're like, well, let's put the camera in the middle of the four of them and let's rotate the camera. And you, do you do this other thing. I, I've recently spoke to John Clark, who's the comedian, and he was saying that one of the things he loves is where you actually, when you don't tell the joke, you let the audience tell the joke themselves. Yes, you don't sign first. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I know you can completely, and that's that's part of the joy of comedy too. And and I I have low, I have a very low tolerance threshold for the majority of comedies that are made because I don't think people think about it's not just what a character says, it's how you visually convey it. Mm. Uh, the other thing is, uh, how long did it uh, was the shoot and for you? Because mm. uh, this is a, a, you're the lead. You're, you're well. One, it's an ensemble, yeah, 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 one of the leads. And uh, you've uh, worked in a variety of things, but is, has this been the most uh, uh, challenging thing you've done? Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that. It was the first time I've kind of, I've done film um, in, a, in a leading role, so it was a completely different way of shooting um, technically. As you were saying before, the lack of coverage was, was quite unsettling coming from TV because there's this... I'm, you know, you're very used to over coverage and stuff. So there was a, there was like an impetus to get it in the one take or the one shot you had, which was kind of exciting as well. Um, but we, it was a six week shoot. We had two weeks rehearsal prior to it, and we had a couple months um, knowledge beforehand that you know we got the role and had the script to prepare and all that kind of stuff. But it, we never felt like we were rushed. Um, and that you know that comes down to the scheduling and the the pre uh, knowledge of of what you know Abe and Lockie and Drew wanted to shoot, um, but it was just a joy. And to to I was incredibly uh, grateful for the people I got to work with. You know, it's 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 not very often you get you know a few incredible actors, let alone a whole ensemble. There's there's no weak links in it at all, and and each actor brought something different and and pushed me in a, in, a, in a way that I hadn't, you know, explored before. Mm. I was really impressed with uh, the, I can't remember his name, but the Down Syndrome actor. Um, mm. I've spoken to the, uh, the company down in Geelong, and it's great to see a person actually act, doing what they do. Yeah. Yeah, and you've created a role for him. Well, yeah, and it was very important for me, this, this character that has a disability, was played by someone that actually has the disability. Um, the same way that it was really important for me that every cast member that's in this movie is portraying the um, uh, culturally where they come from as well because um, yeah it's uh, you know I think I'm probably tired as much as most people are of seeing you know characters with disabilities played with able-bodied actors because I mean you know they've got it uh, you know hard enough trying to find work and that if you know you've got people like Robert Patterson coming in and stealing it from you um, but also Chris Bunton is just a magnificent actor. He's um, a lovely, lovely guy, but he's also he and he sells himself short actually because he said the other night, you know, someone asked him, well, you know, how, um, what's your character and how did you how did you play it? And he said, oh, I just had to be myself. And it's like, well, no, oh, yeah. you actually did. He is hitting performance at a level that any other actor was in this too. And Chris, if someone altered their performance slightly in a scene with Chris, Chris would respond based on what they'd altered and so forth. So. He's um, he's the heart and soul of the movie, and um, uh, and I think he's kind of the secret weapon of the movie too, because I think so too. you don't you, you're not expecting that character to be in the movie in the first place and swept along uh, for the the, the journey that, that um, these characters find themselves on, but um, but you're also not uh, I, I think expecting the level of performance that he delivers. Well, uh, you had your um, opening. Oh, well, you it was already at Sydney Film Festival, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, you've just had it at the Melbourne Film Festival. Yeah. The reaction was good. Yeah, it was great. It was really great. Yeah. Both, and you know, it's um, heartening to see it play. It plays very well in front of uh, a big crowd. The more people are in the audience, the better. It kind of 
helps. There's going to be some things. There's a lot of different types of jokes in this movie, and some you know would appeal to some more than others. And if everyone's in the room together, it kind of boosts everything up. It becomes a bit of a uh, and it, look, it can I think offer a bit of a cathartic experience for people at the moment with everything that's going on around the world. It does give you the opportunity to just come and kind of let some steam out, and then hopefully walk away and kind of um, uh, hopefully it'll sort of sit with you a bit longer than you'd be expecting as well. Where does it go? Are you going to take it to the festivals? Yeah, we, we, so we one there's one festival that we know but we can't announce yet, which is a really exciting one. Well, you'll one. have to shoot us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other is a uh, it's going to premiere a festival called Fantastic Fest in Austin. That's going to be its North American premiere, which we're really excited about too. Yeah. I think it's a pretty serious and important film, actually. So. Thank you. Well, that was hopefully... I mean, that was, that was you know, what we wanted intent, to convey. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks. Thank thanks you. for talking to me. Yeah, yeah, I, it is a very uh, interesting and significant film. It's very clever, beautifully made, very funny. And uh, there, if you go and see it, you'll see that there's a couple of uh, characterisations that uh, you never thought would actually make it to Australian uh, people types that finally make it to screen that you've never seen before. Fantastic stuff. Uh, it's um, That's Down Under, and we've just been listening to the writer-director Abe Forsyke and uh, Lincoln Eunice, who's one of the uh, main characters. Uh, the film is going to be... is being released tonight, actually, at Palace Cinemas, so you can go off and buy a ticket tonight and uh, see it. It's also going to have a screening... Uh, uh, season at ACME, which is in at Federation Square. Uh, they're going to have uh, screenings from the 18th of August to the 24th of August. And it's uh, hit the big time in terms of the mainstream and is going to be also being distributed by, uh, being shown at some of the Hoyt cinemas across the country. It's a terrific film and uh, really worth putting your efforts into going to see it. Uh, I have got nothing more to give you today because, uh, and I think it's perfectly reasonable to be saying goodbye to you now. Coming up next is going to be uh, published or not. I'll leave you with a few messages and then uh, we'll go out with uh, Something Has Changed by Kate Vigo, an Australian musician. Join Parkinson's Victoria for a walk in the park on Sunday the 28th of August at Federation Square. Enjoy a leisurely four-kilometre walk along the Yarra River and plenty of entertainment. Bring your family, friends and pet pooch to show your support for people living with Parkinson's. Register today at melbourne.parkinsonswalk.com.au It's as easy as a walk in the park. A 3CR supporter. If you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing. Three songs for 3CR. A fabulous fundraiser in 3CR's 40th birthday year for world music show Music Sans Frontières with Sisters Eye, Predlo, Serbian Women's Choir, Phoenix Choir, The Zamponistas, Bruce Watson, Breathing Space Women's Choir, Elfin Voices, GT and Friends. August the 13th, Saturday, 8pm. At the Boit World Music Cafe, 1 Mark Street, North Fitzroy. So for bookings, you can go to all the W's, boite.com.au, that's B-O-I-T-E, or turn up on the night. 
Three songs for 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.